This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? This week, we're discussing Zack Snyder's Justice League. Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your digitally deleted mustachioed host, Javi. <laughs> and, uh, okay, I'm pretty excited about this. I've Everyone been waiting. Shut up. Everyone shut up. We're excited, okay? <laughs> Before we even get into what we're going to talk about, there should be a disclaimer here. Okay, this week we are discussing the 2021 finally you know, released uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, right? This was a long rumored slash desired slash everyone who campaigned for it needlessly is kind of fucking annoying but whatever at least we're getting it i was about to say you finish your disclaimer but i also have a disclaimer for all those stupid nerds that campaign super hard look i and i think we both talked about this we are not those like snyder bots that have been like just saying you know well no you know I could live my entire life having either seen this movie or not, and nothing would very much change, right? <laughs> no. But, you know, I'm very glad with what we got. Spoiler alert before we even get into anything. But, you know, again, we're not the people who are dying for, over this, but I feel like every single time we do these comic book movies, we have to put this disclaimer out there. Javi and I grew up reading DC Comics. We are DC comic superhero fans. That does not mean we can't like Marvel. Like what you like. Literally no one cares. And literally it doesn't matter, right? Literally <laughs> none of this matters. We're all going to die. Let's just watch TV. <laughs> so just be aware of that. And don't come down my pipe about like, you know, why I feel about this way. How, how I feel about this movie and, and how it compares to something else in Marvel. I, I want to keep those things as separately as possible. However, I invite discourse, you disgusting little trash people. So <laughs> you guys can come down my pipe. Oh, wait, phrasing. <laughs> I want you guys to fight me as much as you can because I was one of those people that was like, the Snyder Cut doesn't even exist. And you can't say that someone is good just because this made up thing is better than the piece of shit we got. Or just because you think it is. Yeah, like, it, it was one of those things where th- there was a lot of people, like, I love, like, I'm gonna, spoiler alert, I love this movie, and I'm gonna tell you that right now, <laughs> but Jesus, like, some of the fucking, like, ravenous fan base, like, it may, like, I'm glad we got this film, but Jesus, at what cost, dude? Like, this just goes to show you how toxic a fan base can be, but also, the loving story of like of how people can rally and get something made you know and they can rally behind a creator um that being said i i think i i blasted Zack snyder super hard leading up to like in in the last like two years leading up to this 
movie coming out. And I do want to walk back what I said, because I do think now that I have the full context of the story and how hard I've been on him as like a creator to be like, oh, now it makes sense why you walked out and why you couldn't finish the film. Mm. And, you know, that I am I am like a big enough man to be like, oh, yeah, I was wrong. I fucked up. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have been as judgmental as I was. That being said. The Snyder bots can still suck it. <laughs> and I say that very resoundingly loud. But um, you know, like my my from what it from what it for what it's worth, you know, um getting the full context of what happened to Autumn Snyder and why Zack Snyder had to step down, like we get it. And if this is kind of like his his kind of way of coping with the pain of losing a daughter and his way of being able to kind of find closure with the entire thing. Like, I got to say that this, the, what we got was very much a very like beautiful love letter to his daughter, you know? Mm-hmm. So that being said, let's talk about exactly what are like, kind of, uh, you know, what are our thoughts going in? Because Andrew and I, we both watched the 2018 justice league to, in preparation for this movie so we've seen essentially six hours worth of DC Extended Universe content this week. And I got to tell you, like, I didn't even think the, the Snyder Cut was a thing. Like, I thought it was just one of those rumors that we all heard about, especially when, when as the stories of how terrible the relationship on set became between, like, Joss Whedon and the cast, specifically Ray Fisher, and like the more you hear about like all the you know all those stories coming out and how essentially Joss Whedon got Ray Fisher blackballed and as far as like you know his acting career is gonna go I think Jeff Johns did too there was a lot of Jeff Johns Joss Whedon Ray Fisher drama and I think it was like I don't know if it was a year ago but it was at least in the last six months is when like I've read about like just some of the stuff that you know was purportedly going on and you know it's um there's no way to start talking about this movie without really getting into 2017's justice league right yeah because it's (laughs) like this movie the only reason we got this movie was because of the failure that was the 2017 justice league you know and not just a commercial failure because i mean honestly i think it did make back its budget but it was just like from top to bottom how mishandled it was. Um, and unfortunately, how big egos get in the way of a solid movie. Because uh, that's honestly what it was, whether it was Joss Whedon or Jeff Johns, pretty much. Uh, and, you know, I think you're right. It is really important to put the blame on Jeff Johns. I personally am a huge comic book fan and I love Jeff Johns as a writer. Unfortunately, if he was kind of a shitty human, we also got to call that out. (laughs) You know, and the other thing too, I think even it goes even beyond that, right? Like, I mean, I am someone who will self-admittedly say that I think the ultimate cut of Batman versus Superman is interesting. I like watching a three-hour movie, but Batman versus Superman was, it was the poison pill that was going to make the rest of this DC extended universe an uphill climb. It was the first Mm -hmm. movie that was going to come out that was going to bring all of these heroes together. And leading up to it, we thought it was going to be good, right? Like, I mean, 
Ben you Affleck wanted is, it to be good. <laughs> yeah, Ben Affleck as Batman looked good. They were finally doing the gray bat suit on in like a movie. And we were several years removed from the Chris Nolan stuff. And it just felt like, all right, well, this is the natural next step. Marvel basically is ruling comic book movies because they put all their heroes together. And among just trying to kind of cram all of these, like, I think it's like two or threefold the problem here. One, you have movie executives who are trying to compete with a really well-established superhero universe like Marvel did. And when we did Endgame two years ago, I think we talked about how impressive it was that they really took their time over like the decade leading into Endgame, like putting their universe together, right? And Mm -hmm. DC kind of tried to cram all of that and rush it. And that's hard. Definitely playing catch up. And that's part of the problem. And I think the other part of the problem too is, you know, we talked about Watchmen in the early days of the podcast and how we do enjoy that movie. Um, Zack Snyder, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he's a particular. He's like a particularly great filmmaker. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I mean, he uh, Watchmen was pretty faithful to the comic. So I'm not sure how much credit I can give him for the story on that. And you know. The ending is different, but it's all pretty much the same as a comic. Um, and and I think that's what tricked a lot of people into thinking why he would be this great filmmaker for like the DC Extended Universe. Mm-hmm. Because of the fact that it was so... Like, it, like, he was able to do the Zack Snyder Flash that is the, you know, the very um stylish way of filmmaking using the 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 like the very like the weird cg like colors using the slow-mo action shots like all that stuff is very Zack snyder and you know having essentially the bare bones that is alan moore and dave gibbons story i think it's dave Gibbons. oh my god if i just credited the wrong person i'm a terrible nerd <laughs> but like um you know the taking the bare bones that is alan moore's story of the watchman you know it was able to cover up any shortcomings that Zack snyder may have as a storyteller so like you know you look at the Watchmen and it's like, hey, at the very least, he knows how to get the look down to these superheroes. So it's like, why not let him be the torchbearer for the DC extended universe? You know, I think the other problem, too, is that I'd say a lot of Zack Snyder's comic book movie output. I feel like he spends lots of time on things that you probably don't need to spend so much time on. You know, there's a lot of minutia kind of like, right? Like, it's just. Mm-hmm. there's stuff that that just like kind of prolongs itself that maybe doesn't need to and i think that's why like when when i watched batman versus superman in theaters even though i thought it was okay it was a huge disappointment compared to the dark knight trilogy which you know had just come out four years before mm-hmm. um i thought man of steel was good i like man of steel um i think it was great i thought it was good you know, it was nice to have another like new Superman, and I, I was a little disappointed that we were jumping into Superman versus Batman instead of doing a proper like, you know, Superman sequel where we were gonna do someone who wasn't either Lex Luthor or Zod, 
you know, mm-hmm. like Superman has a pretty good like villains, like, you know, <laughs> like a villains rogues gallery that you could like do on on in a live action movie. You could introduce Metallo. I think Metallo would have been a good foil mm-hmm. for a bit. You know, you could have had you Brainiac. Had, Brainiac was a great villain. Like he has a, I mean, you could have really played around with Superman. Like the one of the fun things about Superman, and I've been talking to uh to a couple friends about it, is my favorite Superman stories are when he goes like when he essentially jumps the shark. Like I because that's the thing, Superman shouldn't have to be this character I have to relate to because he's not human. Like he's supposed to be this godlike boy scout like fixer of the world, right? So I want to see him do dumb things like fly through the sun because he can or, you know, wake up in Borneo and then be in Hawaii within like a couple of seconds. You know, like I want him to do these superhuman things like and I feel that especially Man of Steel got so bogged down with trying to make him as human as possible. And it's like I think I guess I'm just the Quentin Tarantino school of thought where I'm like, no, I want to see him do cool shit. Because Clark Kent isn't who Superman is. Clark Kent is who he's pretending to be, you know? Well, yeah. And, and you know, again, I think the three-hour ultimate cut of that movie was ultimately better because I didn't have to sit in a theater and watch it for three hours. I got also to watch true. it at yes. home. And that comes <laughs> that comes to the... Before we really start talking about 2017's Justice League... I remember after I finished watching the Snyder Cut, my wife asked me, she goes, do you think that if this movie came out in theaters that it would have been much more well-received? And my answer to that was no. I don't think that you could put a four-hour movie in movie theaters. I just don't think it's possible. But what I do think is that now, because we live in this world where we get to watch, you know, a story play out in longer time, you know, this, this, I feel like the 2010s really has been the decade of, I think television is going to leapfrog movies pretty soon, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's just, there's no way around it. Uh, Assuming it, it hasn't already, you know? Right. Like, Game of Thrones was insanely popular before the final two seasons of that show. You got Stranger Things that just prints money no matter what. The Mandalorian is bigger mm-hmm. than any Star Wars movie of the last decade. I'm surprised no one's asked us to do WandaVision yet. Like, <laughs> that's another example, you know? Right. And and it's like now even Disney Plus, and Disney Plus is even like taking a lot of those properties and putting them on their streaming platform and actually devoting real money to some of these series. So something like The Mandalorian or WandaVision, it has the movie budget and it's, but it's playing out over a limited series. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, excellent I, hbo is a template stuff like the sopranos and like i feel like prestige television is the template for this kind of stuff and even in this movie you know in, in this cut of justice league they broke it up into six or seven parts mm-hmm. which you could easily say that's like a mini series like just splitting it up like that i think uh our buddy said it the best where it's like the, even if the Zack snyder cut is a four-hour film the fact that the way it's cut and the way it's filmed just makes it feel like a mini series that you chose to binge watch mm-hmm. and that and just having those little like changes make it a lot more digestible and more accessible for a lot of people for especially your casual fans because you know that was coming from a friend of ours who is not necessarily a dc fan like 
So, it, you know, it was, a, it was an interesting uh, observation to hear, you know. All right. Now, 2017's Justice League. Ugh. I went into that theater determined that I was going to like it. <laughs> Only because I wanted to get a second part, right? Like, they were talking about, okay, it's going to be Steppenwolf this time. But after we get Steppenwolf, we're ultimately going to get Darkseid. Yeah, we knew that he, you can guess you can say he was just a stepping stone, eh? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my God, that was so bad. <laughs> okay, I'm good. I'm good. You know, and then I watched 2017's Justice League, and honestly, I didn't. I don't remember that it was really that bad, at least in my memory, right? Before I watched it, before watching the Snyder Cut. And- in our mind palace, <laughs> it wasn't as bad. And then I rewatched it last week and I was like, oh shit, this is bad. It, this is going to be one of those instances of a director's cut of a movie that is essentially wiping out like the original film. It's so different. The only thing I could find to kind of compare it to was in the mid-aughts, you know, uh, they, for some reason, there was those two Exorcist prequels that they were making at the same time. Yep. One of them was done by a director named Paul Schrader, and eventually he was fired from the project. And then they brought in the flashier, like, action director, Rennie Harlan, to come in and, and actually finish it. Mm-hmm. So, like, to the point where it even had a different title, it ended up being called Exorcist the Beginning instead of Dominion, which is supposed to be the original title of that. And it has the same actors. It has some of the same plot points, but they're both largely different movies. And that's pretty much what this is. And And I was going into this movie thinking that outside of you know, hours of extra footage that I probably didn't need, that this was going to be largely the same movie. (laughs) I'm very glad to report that that is not the case. Oh boy, were we wrong. (laughs) And if, if I ever do have to rewatch the 2017 justice league again, like the bright colors that they forced into the film, like the fact that they, they, they like, painted the colors so that they look brighter (laughs) so that it looks more marvel is pretty disgusting and my eyes might bleed the next time i have to watch that my eyes are gonna fucking fall out of my skull and well that movie just start it starts on a bet it starts on the most sour note where we get cgi henry cavill face that is like cgi insanely unwatchable we get CGI Henry Cavill face, and like the beginning is just stupid. It's mm-hmm. literally two kids talking to Superman and asking him awkward questions, and him giving awkward answers. And I'm like, who okayed this? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it <laughs> like, just... who thought this was a good idea to start this film? And it and it sucks because like I like I told you, I really enjoyed the montage in Justice League 2017, 2018. Which one is it? 2017. 2017. So I I like that opening montage that goes through Superman's um through Superman's funeral, but mm-hmm. right off the bat, like just as the Zack Snyder cut beginning is just infinitely better. 
Well, it it directly connects it to Batman versus Superman, right? Mm-hmm. I think Batman versus Superman was such a kind of embarrassing disaster for DC and Warner Brothers that they literally just said, "Okay, we're already halfway done with this Justice League movie. Let's go ahead and just call it." You know, uh, Zack Snyder mm-hmm. already had to, you know, was basically leaving the project because, sadly, you know, he uh, his daughter. Uh, committed suicide Snyder, yeah she yeah. ended up committing suicide during this time the studio thought that let's bring in someone who has experience with uh big superhero crossover movies and then so in comes uh joss whedon to save the day and people were willing to overlook the age of ultron and focus just on his experience with the avengers and you know we were like oh yeah this can save the film but then what we get is a 2017 Justice League that's just a really crappy rehash of the Avengers. And this is where Joss Whedon's like, I don't want to say shortcomings, but this is where a lot of the Joss Whedonisms really like just kind of came through and you just look and you're like, these haven't aged well. Like this isn't. It, it, it was cool back when we saw it in the Avengers and it was fresh and it was new, but it's literally, you know, rinse, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. And he's trying to do the same thing here. I would probably, I, you know what I would do? I would venture to guess that we probably gave Joss Whedon way too much credit for that original Avengers movie. I would argue that. Nerd, I would I mean, argue I bet because... He, I mean, he got a lot of goodwill because he got Firefly and he got uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which are huge nerd mainstays. Right, know? but then people forget that Joss Whedon does come back to do Avengers The Age of Ultron, which is infinitely... It is the worst, I think, of all the Avengers movies. I mean, like, I'm not going to argue with you on that. <laughs> like, like, I give Infinity War a bunch of shit because how I feel about it. Yeah. But Infinity War is infinitely better than the fucking second Joss Whedon, you know, Avengers movie. So instead of getting peace, peak, you know, 2012 Avengers Joss Whedon, you were getting post Age of Ultron Joss Whedon. And I think, you know, I had even some idea that okay well maybe this saves this movie and takes it in a radically different direction and it really feels like they just like joel schumacher like <laughs> uh, Zack snyder's original justice league idea and it just like became okay well now we're just gonna put like nipples on everything <laughs> <laughs> they have nipples for eyeballs y'all <laughs> <laughs> and and that's how really how bad it is but anyway ultimately we start this movie off with a direct, um, you know, connection to Batman versus Superman. We are watching, we are rewatching the death of Superman. It literally um, picks up with where Batman versus Superman ended. And it's funny too, because when I first watched it, I was like, damn, like, I forgot that movie already. Like, it's just been so long. And it's one of those things where it's like, I've, I've already made peace with the fact that I'm never going to like see what Ben Affleck's Batman looks like. And I'm mm. already pretty excited for the batman for matt reeves and robert pattinson anyway so it's like the world has moved on and even on the superman front like i am an avid watcher of superman and lois right now and i think i think that's a good opportunity to do like the television like we're actually going to use more of superman's like villains and the actor tyler hawkland who plays him on that show i actually think is a 
fantastic Superman, like to the point where I feel like I think I like him more than Henry Cavill. <laughs> so, well, so, I mean, that's the thing with Superman. You don't really need someone to be charismatic. You just need someone that has the hatchet jaw. Like, I, I think, would argue that that's not the case. And I would argue you're wrong, but that's not here. <laughs> no, because <laughs> like, I would, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that with Superman specifically, because he's not like it's not like Superman needs to be this very like deep, like, like, like a uh, multifaceted character. Like, the biggest thing is to get the look down and everything else you can, like, you know, you can workshop it in through the script. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, that's at least for me anyway. And I've talked to a few people that kind of agree. Like, Superman's arc is always that he's going to be the Boy Scout. So it's like, as long as you stay true to that and you make him look like it, like, yeah, most people are going to be happy with whatever Superman you give them. For the purposes, including Michael B. Jordan, so just putting that out there, universe. For the purposes of Justice League, of Zack Snyder's Justice League, Superman doesn't need to be a deep character. We can feel how we feel about Man of Steel, but we just look at Superman as more of a symbol and kind of like a plot. Unfortunately, he's more of a plot device in this than he actually is a character. Yes, you know, it just doesn't feel. He doesn't feel that important. I would still argue I would well he's important to the plot. It's just he just doesn't feel like he has the same kind of depth that I thought he had in Man of Steel and even mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman. Like mm-hmm. in Batman versus Superman he is such a character and I think he is the way more sympathetic character than Batman is in that yeah, movie. I agree to disagree on that. I'm still team <laughs> Batman. All right, whatever. <laughs> I'm not even being contrarian. I just think like Batman ha- Batman was right, you know? All right. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, level an entire fucking city. All right. In and either case... And in- just, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Go ahead. I will still, and I will still continue to argue that I think Tyler Hoechlin is just a better Superman, but he's on television and not part of this movie universe, so it's fine. But I, I don't think... I disagree with your notion of like... You know, Superman just has to be the Boy Scout and doesn't have to do much. That series is already doing a pretty good job at giving Superman's life more complexity and exploring a facet of Superman's, like, you know, the time period that he's in that's not ever, I never even think about when reading comics. And that's, you know, a post Superman who's already married to Lois Lane, who has two teenage boys, and he's dealing with, you know, it's just there's stuff and i don't want to give anything away i think you guys should go and watch it at some point and i just don't want to give it away i think it's great all right yeah but anyway reviews how i'm right and angel's wrong (laughs) y'all but we start with you know the end of batman versus superman we're watching the death of superman uh through the credits we understand that you know superman is now gone um his death has thoroughly impacted batman and I think this is kind of a this is a major change here. I, I I in the original Justice League, I feel like Batman probably felt more guilt <laughs> than anything as mm-hmm. to the fact that he was such a fucking dickhead to Superman. And that's probably what like motivated him to want to, you know, put the team together. But you know, looking back on it, it's just like in this movie, like we jump from the death of Superman directly to the a lot quicker to the uh, 
Steppenwolf stuff and the Amazonians and, you know, we jump into that stuff a lot quicker than we ever did in the Justice League movie, which I think the one of the characters that benefited a lot from this is the Steppenwolf character. Mm-hmm. He felt like little, little more than a Power Rangers, like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, like villain mm-hmm. <laughs> in the in the original cut of this movie. And I think it's you know we're all the better for it. It was like rewatching uh, OG the the shit league, if you will. <laughs> like remember the beginning where batman is suddenly fighting a parademon for no reason <laughs> and it's never explained why he knows the parademons exist and i remember how much that bothered me because i was like okay like i get it he's he's making this dude afraid so he can find the parademon why does he give a shit about the parademons mm-hmm. like there was nothing to tell you that the parademons were a thing so it's like i'm cool with they don't need to flesh out the heroes, like especially the big three. By this mm-hmm. point, Wonder Woman has two movies under her belt. Yes. Batman, Batman versus Superman is a thing where it's a pretty good Batman movie and a pretty mediocre Superman movie. We already have Man of Steel. Like we know what we're getting from our from our Trinity from the from the DC universe. This kind of feels like the Trinity. Okay, so if we're comparing this, and I'm not comparing it just to say what the quality is, but just for the sake of understanding it if we're comparing the big three in marvel to the big three and dc and movies uh, mind you only the movies yeah. yeah batman superman wonder woman that's iron man cap and thor mm-hmm. right like that's the, the those are the three that they'll get their movies and you know the avengers is our chance to watch them team up but they get their own movies outside of this universe so we don't really have to go into a ton of their backstory in this mm-hmm. But what you know, Marvel was able to do is they were able to flesh out Thanos over the course of two movies, and you know, people got to understand why he was such a, or not just two movies, like, but also of course, like leading up to like there was a lot of mentioning Thanos before we actually got to see him. Well, but the other the- thing that the Avengers movies do that Marvel just isn't going to do on its own because it's just maybe the heroes just don't have that kind of cachet is they'll take the other heroes like, you know, Hawkeye, like Falcon, like uh, Black Widow. They take those characters or even Incredible Hulk now where it's like those characters that we know they're not getting their own movie. So in mm-hmm. these team-up movies, we're going to give you as much as their backstory as possible. Mm-hmm. So it's important in this movie that because we already understand Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman so well, we do need to have renewed focus on some of these other side characters. And even though the flash is important to kind of get into in this, we know the flash is going to get his movie in the future. Still, we still have mm-hmm. the Andy Muschietti flash movie starring Ezra Miller. That's going to be coming out in a couple of years anyway. And we already got the Aquaman movie. So it's like Aquaman has already been fleshed out as a character. As right. Well. So, so the biggest and most important difference from the 2017 to the 2021 movie in here is the fact that we get the entire cyborg arc in this. And that like pisses me off even more hearing all the craziness that happened with the 2017 movie, because it wasn't like just that they, they, they changed some things around because they, they didn't like Ray Fisher, like talking back or whatever. 
it's like they severely downplayed how important Cyborg is as a character. Because no Cyborg, there's no movie, there's no team. Like, he's a driving force, he's a plot device, and he is, like, the main character of this film, is for, for all intents and purposes. And it's right. like, we get the entire backstory of Vic Stone, and it's like... And, and you know what, what I really like about it? Because the Vic Stone arc is maybe about 20 minutes, right? But they, like hit all the major points like it's it's almost done in this like montage way and but i felt like it was so like it was done in a concise but it got you everything you needed to know about the character from the accident from learning that he was a that he was an athlete slash genius (laughs) that pretty much he was going to gotham u whether it was on a sports scholarship or because of his academics his strained relationship with his dad after the after uh just because how even even before the accident how his father wasn't there for him as much because he was so entrenched in his work well even the even the world building stuff like i would probably say that something i hadn't even thought about until i saw the the snyder cut on this was there's a scene in the ultimate cut of batman versus superman i think it's only in the ultimate cut i don't know i haven't seen the theatrical cut of that movie since 2016 and I, it's probably been lost in my memory at this point. But there is a scene, at least in the ultimate cut, where you get two police officers that are watching a college football game on ESPN. That's Metropolis versus Gotham City. And Gotham City is getting blown out by Metropolis. <laughs> and to be honest, maybe, that's a, maybe the reason why they're getting blown out is because their star player, Victor Stone, is no longer on the team. Because by he this might point, be dead. Right. Right, and it's just like that's that's what I mean. It's like, do you need this stuff? No, you don't need it in a movie. But what mm-hmm. I like about having it in these longer, larger like format, like you know, movie slash bingeable like episodes, is that now it everything feels like it's supposed to matter and it's connected. So it gives you more of a reason to kind of go back to some of that other stuff if you want to, right? Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, so I would probably say that maybe we even, we were supposed to be getting hint. I mean, we already got the hint of Cyborg and how he was created in Batman versus Superman. And it's just like, yeah, it's like, I love how this feels a whole lot more connected now. Yes. It's, it all, it all feels like it's getting us to something. Like it feels like this is the jumping off point for something that's meant to be bigger, mm-hmm. you know? Um they, you know, they rework the chapter, the the Aquaman chapter from Justice League, and Jesus, just isn't it crazy how just moving some scenes around just make it feel so much better? Yes. Like specific, I, I remember you told me that you said that to me actually. <laughs> just how the beginning where like because honestly the the entire like Aquaman part where Bruce goes and he, he goes to the Scandinavian country and he tries to talk to the, to the villagers about a man that comes from the sea during the winter and provides for them when they can't f- go out fishing. And it's like, all that is still the same from the, from the 2017 movie. It's just the way it's like the scenes are restructured, make it seem, make it feel a little bit more, I don't know. Like it, it adds a lot more impact, a lot more weight to what's going on. Well, because one of the major changes in this is that now we're actually going to see Darkseid. 
we are seeing dark side in this movie and this was feels more like i think what you were talking about with like the thanos introduction and marvel where it's like all right now we're going to introduce a guy who's going to be the villain the next time Mm -hmm. and he's going to be the guy who kind of puts some of this stuff into motion at the same time you what you okay so what you find out from wonder woman at some point in this movie is that at some point in the past many many centuries in the past dark side had tried to conquer earth before and the reason why he failed and ultimately couldn't do it was because on earth they had a collapse like basically um prehistoric justice league if you will <laughs> right humans uh olympians uh olympic gods uh the Amazons, Amazons, the, the Atlanteans, yeah. and then the Green Lantern, like members of Green Lantern Corps, like oh my all, God. they all collaborated together. And we basically got to see a mini battle in all of its wonderful glory in this. Mm-hmm. Um, in, and that kind of stuff makes it make sense. Now you're like, because in the beginning, you're like, all right, well, why are we like, like, why is everyone just so all of a sudden, yeah, 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 we have to prepare for the next invasion. And it's like, wh- where do you even think the invasion is coming from? Like, outside of Zod, there's been no hint that there's any alien life, like, out there. At mm-hmm. least at this point, there hasn't been. And it's not like in this, it's not like we've had a Green Lantern movie in this continuity. So it's like, it doesn't make any sense. But now that, like, you know, Wonder Woman understands that Darkseid had tried to come here before but the reason why he was defeated was because all of these different people united against Mm -hmm. him that makes sense it now makes sense why you need batman who's a human to team up with you know uh aquaman who's an atlantean to team up with wonder woman who's you know uh who's an amazon with superman who's essentially a god (laughs) despite the fact that he is a kryptonian well, yeah, they they play up the Superman being one of the what do they keep calling them? They call them like the Star Travelers or something like that. Mm-hmm. Someone that came from the stars—that's what they refer to the Green Lanterns as. Um, and and you know what? They do a way better job of explaining what the Mother Boxes are actually supposed to do here. Yes, like I don't remember like what exactly the reasoning for the Mother Boxes like existing in in the 2017 one i think mm-hmm. they were it was just like the mother boxes have a lot of power like that was it <laughs> but here they explain that they're meant to be change machines and that pr- essentially you can rewrite the physics <laughs> of an entire world you can pretty much bend reality on that planet to be whatever you want it to be and mm-hmm. what in uh, what dark side has been doing is using the mother boxes he's been changing every planet he conquers into another apocalypse so all of a sudden like right away we get our stakes that this guy has been going planet to planet using these mother boxes to essentially take control of every world and we learn right away why dark side is such a bad guy and it's not just that he wants to take away like or that he wants to conquer these planets is that he's trying to take away everyone's will and he's trying to bend them to our free will. And that's when we get introduced to all these high DC concepts, things like the anti-life equation, which is, if you know anything about, about Darkseid as a character, you know that his main motivation is to get the anti-life equation so that he can take control of all sentient life in the universe, you know? 
So right away, we go from the 2017 one where we're not really sure what the stakes are to, holy crap, if these guys don't get this shit together in the next three hours, like the universe is going to fall apart. <laughs> mm-hmm. And even the New Gods movie, right? Like, I mean, Ava DuVernay is actually still, as far as I know, she's still in developing a uh, live action version of the New Gods comics. And it's just, it's, it's again, this, it makes this world feel massive. It makes the stakes feel greater. It feels more Watchmen in some ways now because it's like now, now that you have all these other things to focus on, at least me as a DC Comics fan, and I think maybe you as well, now that we're focusing on the fact that we're actually seeing some of the DC lore on film, you have less time to kind of complain about like, or kind of think about some of this other dumb stuff. And the fact that you're binging it at home, you have less time to complain about like, you know, uh, how everything looks, the fact that we're watching this in four, three format, Mm -hmm. Um, like just like these, these kind of minuscule complaints and maybe it just bothers people to no end and, and they just can't get over it. And that's fine. Again, you know, our, 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 our message on this is like what you like. <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much. We're going to like schlock and you guys are going to like your own schlock. <laughs> I mean, there's some people on this show that love Tokyo Drift. I don't know. Like, I let people live their lives. Let's not argue of the fact that Tokyo Drift is a masterpiece. Um, yeah. And that's why you made me review State of the Union. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but you're right like it's just by by simply fleshing out the intro of dark side the intro of steppenwolf explaining who these characters are it gives the entire movie a whole different weight and like you said it opens up the universe and like you know we we and like and that's what i love as they start going especially into the into the cyborg um origin where we start learning about star labs and why star labs is so important and then we get to see one of my favorite, most underrated characters, like, uh, what's his name? Oh, what? <laughs> Crap, why am I blanking on it? What was the assistant? Ryan Choi? Mm-hmm. Who, who goes on to become the Atom? And I remember I was texting you and I was like, holy fucking shit, it's the Atom. Yeah. And in and, and Batman vs. Superman, the ultimate cut, it actually introduced you to Star Labs. Lois Lane goes to Star Labs to have some sort of something analyzed. And it's like, yeah, again, it's like, I think what we talked about with this, and then we even talked about it when we did Birds of Prey, <laughs> is what I like about like this world is that it feels like, you know, it just, it's awesome to think of DC in terms of the fact that it's a whole world out there, you know? And I think that's that's the main difference between that and then the other DC movies that we got in the 90s and in the aughts is like, now that Marvel says, hey, it's okay to let all these characters play together in one movie universe, you know, mm-hmm. we're actually seeing that now, like to a much greater extent than we even did in 2017. Because even in 2017, or like those first few DCEU movies, it kind of felt like they were like, all right, well, all this stuff is going to be kind of related, but everyone is doing something so radically different <laughs> mm-hmm. that it just kind of didn't really make sense. Like, I mean, Wonder Woman's world does kind of feel like the world of Batman v Superman. But I think because Suicide Squad got so butchered in post-production 
and they wanted to turn it into more like a music video romp or whatever like it just <laughs> it didn't fit and you can tell that birds of prey even tried to do like some sort of hard course correction on harley and the joker and stuff by not even showing you jared leto's joker mm-hmm. and it's like yeah it's, it's what i mean it's like some of this original stuff poison pill poison pill yeah. i don't know if it I, to the point where I don't even think any of this stuff may even work going forward, even though the introduction of Darkseid and knowing Darkseid's coming makes me desire to see Justice League 2. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we're never going to get it and we'll just have to accept it and move on <laughs> as yeah. well. You know what? We said that with the Snyder Cut and now we're fucking doing an episode on it. So. <laughs> At this point, if there's anything I'm learning, it's that I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't think I don't think the Flash's story changes much uh, no, from I mean, from the original. He's the, he's the one character that feels largely the same. Um, his I, stuff doesn't change until the climax. Yes, the importance of the Flash yes. doesn't change <laughs> until we get to the climax. Like straight up, every like they make him the, this lovable slacker in Justice League, uh, 2017. In this one, he's still for the most part a lot of the stuff leading up to it is still similar he has a lot of peter parker vibes um like especially in the in the scene where he gets introduced mm-hmm. uh in this film which includes um you said it was iris right yes iris west. Was, yeah you said it was iris west was there anything that indicated that or was it just like a uh only that, that just you <laughs> only that i followed this movie in pre-production and mm-hmm. when they casted the actress as, as Iris West, I knew she was Iris West. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> cause I was trying to look, I was trying to think back. I was like, there is nothing that really tells you she's Iris West. No. But literally a bunch of people on the internet and you were saying, no, no, it's Iris West. And I was like, am I missing something? Am I no, no, no. Here? It was more of just like following it in pre-production. And to me, it was actually really shocking when I watched the 2017 movie and surprise, she wasn't even in it. <laughs> yeah so sure. oh, you know what there's a bunch of characters that were just left on the cutting room floor mm-hmm. that includes ryan Choi. that includes willem dafoe playing like yes. an atlantean general <laughs> not Warren. i forgot who he was but he was like some random character um i think he becomes ocean master i don't know and then iris west like they i was like holy shit it wasn't just the fact that they cut out some characters it's that you cut out an actor like willem defoe yeah now we had two spider-man alumni in this movie we have willem defoe and jk simmons <laughs> oh man but you know like we get a lot like they do a little bit more with barry uh they flesh out they don't really flesh out the relationship with him and his dad but I feel like the prison scene is done better, obviously, in this movie than it was in the 2017 one. And the other thing with the Flash, uh, you know, I hate to be this guy like I am with Superman, but even though I don't think the TV show is great anymore, and as much as those first couple seasons were, I do think that the actor Grant Gustin, who plays the Flash, you know, on television, I think he's left such a mark on that character that it's like. His flash feels more like the flash to me. Like the flash. Yeah. yeah. And this <laughs> just feels more like a flash. <laughs> you know, like like it's like, yeah, 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 sure, fine. He's he's you know, sure, he's Barry Allen, but it's like, but he feels like, you know, but he feels like Peter Parker, like you were saying, <laughs> you know, yes. like like there's exactly. nothing about there's nothing about him that makes him feel specifically the flash. And because Iris West, even the fact that she's in this cut. You know, she has one scene and no dialogue. It's just like, 
there's nothing about it that feels particularly the flash about it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we talked about with cyborg is that this is the cyborg story and we're starting like in the beginning of this movie from, you know, the fact that cyborg, his, his anatomy is changing this, this mother box that he's like attached to symbiotically kind of is uh, has changed a lot. Like, you know, his defense is different. Mm -hmm. um he learns new abilities all the time (laughs) that he's not sure like how he's even all of a sudden picked it up (laughs) you know what i do want to say this the redesign for cyborg it was literally like giving him lighter colors and giving him the blue circle on his forehead does so much to change what the character looks like like he looked like garbo he looked like hot garbo in justice league 2017 (laughs) and it was just bad because they it took a while for him to finally be able to control the the mother box and change kind of like what his anatomy looks like it feels like in this movie they split the difference where he looks kind of blocky but still kind of like smooth and sleek kind of metallic right but then um but then in this one like they put the just having the addition of the blue light makes you feel comfortable it makes it, it makes you feel like this is a character i've seen before it's a play it's a character that I understand. It's a character that I know of. And it just like right away makes him feel like a much more approachable character. Uh, I would say that as minor as the redesign is, I do think, I don't think the Steppenwolf design is so radically different, but I, I like the differences in that character as well. (laughs) You know, he looks less human. He looks, I I think I mean, yes, he looks, he looks less like a weird CGI character. I also made the joke to you that it's like, you know, Steppenwolf from 2017, like looks like Ivan Ooze from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, like <laughs> from that original movie. Like it's just, it didn't really, there's nothing particularly alien about him, mm-hmm. especially when you see how dark side looks and he's pretty comic accurate. Like the way they get him to look in this. Oh my God. I fucking love dark side's look. <laughs> and, so fantastic. And just the fact that we understand him now, you know, we know that Steppenwolf has been exiled from apocalypse and you know something happened where he you know he's fallen from dark side's good graces and they said he, he <laughs> when he talks to assad like a desad sorry um they uh you they know just, just shit on him the entire movie. they do but <laughs> but desad like you know tells him you owe him like 40 million or 40,000 i don't know like no it was for, <laughs> so they owe him he owes him a hundred thousand planets and he's already (laughs) conquered 50. So he's on a mission to continue conquering these planets for dark side to win his good graces over. Like it's such a stupid, but that's the kind of shit you want from these like space characters. (laughs) If they're supposed to be larger than life characters, I'm like, yes, that makes sense. I want big, stupid numbers. Yeah, like honestly, like one of the things that I'm looking forward to on the Marvel side is I'm very much looking forward to Marvel introducing their version of X Men mm-hmm. and us getting like more into cosmic Marvel universe. Which oh, I, I can't think wait for the Eternals, man. The Eternals which, should be rad. We'll see. Right. Like I think outside of like Guardians of the Galaxy, which is cool, and I think the movies are great, you know. But I, I don't need to see that forever. I want to see other stuff in Cosmic Marvel Universe, like, too. Like, you know, I some of these the other characters. Surfer. I want the Silver <laughs> Surfer so bad. <laughs> right. But, uh, before we move away too much from the redesigns, um, I did want to mention, uh, I love that for Cyborgs, uh, one of the cool things they did, and they included in his redesign, is that 
he has like the nano face mask that that closes up his human side when he goes into like combat i thought that was a pretty neat addition and i love the way they introduced that where instead of telling us and like in, in the 2017 movie they had the really awkward line where he's like i couldn't do that yesterday and he just like kind of floats in the air a little bit i love the fact that they show us like oh no he has a full ass jetpack that lets him fly all <laughs> around the city yeah. <laughs> i thought that was really cool and the one thing i really like that and it's such a small thing that um what's it called uh that Steppenwolf his features are definitely less human and more like weird, adorable space cat <laughs> because of those big ass eyes. But his armor is so fucking cool. Yeah. Like I like it's like this weird moving chain mail metal that like you know, reacts. You know what it reminded me hit? of? What? You know what it reminded me? It reminds me of uh the X-Men Days of Future Past, like the way they redesigned the Sentinels like yeah that was what i thought about when i saw it and yeah it's like i like i love this like shifting like metal look <laughs> and it's like it, like like in the in the raid on themascara when he gets attacked by the amazons like it's really cool to see how like the the metal will move so it catches the blade and absorbs the shot instead of him getting stabbed <laughs> like it's just really dope and it makes you like one, it makes him look a lot less generic Ivan Ooze character, like you said. And it adds more. Like, you're like, man, I want to see how cool this gets. Like, I want to see, I want them to show me more of what these bad guys can do. Um, and we get to see what Steppenwolf gets to do when he ra- <laughs> when he shows up to Themyscira and he chooses violence. <laughs> yeah. Immediately. Um, and it makes, so what this does, what his, like, raid on Timuscara does in this movie is it makes it makes his beef with Wonder Woman a lot feel a lot more personal mm-hmm. you know like it, it gives Wonder Woman more to do the expanded storyline for Cyborg I feel like it gives the scene which you know is in 2017 where we get the meeting of Diana and uh, Victor mm-hmm uh, and for those who don't who have already forgotten wonder woman and cyborg <laughs> when, <laughs> just in case yeah. yeah when we get the scene of them finally meeting each other like in some sort of street in gotham like in that original cut it's like wonder woman's trying to convince him that like you know you should come back to the world or you know things are you shouldn't be alone and stuff like that and it's just like it just felt like a scene in that movie. But mm-hmm. when you're in this movie and you actually get the flashback of like before Victor was cyborg, you see the relationship between both his parents and how unfortunate it is that the parent who probably was closer to him in life, you know, is the one that he has lost. And now he's, you know, as now in this post cyborg world that he's in the parent that he's stuck with is the one that he's like got a lot of emotional baggage with at the very mm-hmm. same time. And the fact that, you know, that that Cyborg has lost his mother, who, you know, is the maybe the most important person in the world to him, has a lot more in common now all of a sudden with Diana, who, you know, we watched her movie and we saw how important Steve Trevor was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's just like, it, it just makes these things feel richer. And I do appreciate, so even the stuff that we already saw before that was brought back mm-hmm. into this, like, even that stuff feels more important. I love the entire like cyborg origin. I don't think I can stress that enough. 
and we both said it when we texted each other talk, talking about the movie where he's pretty much Dr. Manhattan. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> They flesh out his connection to the, essentially the internet and they flesh out who he is, um, what he's capable of. And we find out that he can, you know, like they, and they do it through an expo dump, but it's such a well done expo dump where Silas is talking via tape recorder because he can't, like like uh victor just re- refuses to talk to him in person so he leaves a tape recorder with it with, you know where he's kind of like trying to talk to him as someone that you know he's talking to him as the scientist and as his father um and he you know during the scientist monologue he starts talking about how victor can overcome any firewalls and he can go into any system or hack hack into any system in the world and how he like information is at the you know at his fingertips and how he can literally change the entire world for everybody Mm -hmm. and we we get to see that part where he follows this woman through like uh cctv footage this uh the waitress right you know that scene (laughs) did it did it 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 got me yeah that scene got me when he like you know, sees that woman's story and walks by her in an ATM machine and, you know, gives her all the, you know, has her get all the extra money out and stuff. It does enough where you're like, yeah, he probably does all this good stuff all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and or much like even what Batman like suggests to, to Aquaman too earlier in the movie. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, you you may seem like you may think you do all this stuff in the shadows but when you do all this good stuff for people like people notice right mm-hmm. and it's like and, and it makes you less of a secret than you think you are which i think is a good like thing for all of these superhero characters like you know yeah all the metas are starting to really come out now mm-hmm. and um yeah it's it's such a good scene like maybe my favorite thing in the movie because it really got me <laughs> and i was not and, anticipating like feeling it so much and, and pair it with the dialogue where silas tells him the importance of self-control mm-hmm. that he literally can change he can save or destroy the world depending on how he's feeling mm-hmm. and how no one person can shoulder that entire responsibility and you're just like Oh crap! If he ever gets pissed, he can literally like destroy the planet. <laughs> well, yeah, because you know we watch Watchmen and Doctor Manhattan goes to another planet and just like sits on gears for like much of the movie because it's like, what does he need to do with Earth? It's like any link that he had to that planet is gone. Yeah, and it's like you know, it's what he is is something else, and you also get that from Victor is that he is something else. Like it's mm-hmm. not, he's not Victor Stone anymore but it's like but at the same time he has enough empathy and he relates enough to characters like wonder woman and you know even the lines here and there that he gets with flash it's like it it just it works better to me like it just you know it, it it makes it matter the fact that he's on this team like it gives him a reason for being on this team Mm -hmm. you know so like by the end of the movie where he talks about how like you know he's not alone anymore or you know like all like that kind of stuff is like you know makes all the difference with the flash i think the big change you know in his story now is we get to see the speed force now and it's not just something that's mentioned in passing um when he's talking to bruce wayne like it was in the original cut you know, yeah. like we, we we get the scene where eventually, and I also love that it happens this way. By the way, like we reach the point 
where all of our characters, you know, once we get through, which is what is in Justice League is where they find out that Steppenwolf and the Parademons are in some sort of underground tunnel at Gotham Harbor. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is largely the same, except it doesn't have that weird scene where like Flash ends up on top of Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh you know that scene is all largely the same uh it, mm-hmm. it, it f- puts a little bit of focus on you know uh victor saving silas's life um because you know what the action in justice league 2017 isn't bad for the most part like the action's okay it's just literally every other part <laughs> yeah i would argue that the end of that movie is pretty awful especially well, now I mean, that we see the like the end of this i i would probably say that <laughs> that I what I didn't know I'd be sure of is whether like I forgot that Zack Snyder was a guy who did 300 until I saw like that dark side battle and I was just like man I was like yeah that's right it's like this reminds mm-hmm. me of something that like I it was seen 100% in 300. 300 like it was pretty <laughs> dope yeah. but you know what I think kind of what what you were what you were getting at with where we get to see the speed force is uh we get a fucking quicksilver shot we get multiple quicksilver shots in this movie, by which I mean where time slows down and where we get to see the Flash do Flash things, where he moves around really fast. Quicksilver and X Men. Let's let's yeah. Let's put that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I forgot the fucking. I forgot Kickass Quicksilver. <laughs> well, both of them are Kickass Quicksilver. <laughs> yeah, but one of them is actually Kickass. Yeah, the that's true. The nerd friend. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so quicksilver from days of future past and quicksilver from the other one i don't remember anymore <laughs> avengers age of ultron which we've already talked about isn't that good yeah i mean he was so bad that he didn't even make it on one division <laughs> but anyway we get to see that scene like very much like uh evan peters quicksilver where you know, he gets to run around. We get to see how he plays around with the speed force. And, you know, we even get a line that comes back later in the film where uh, Flash has to put rules on himself. Uh, Barry knows that he can't push the speed force to the speed of light. The, fa- the, the closer he gets to the speed of light, the more it can actually affect the timeline and the time stream and how things work. Um and then, you know, because that's kind of what, what it is. Like, I think he his explanation of what the, the Speed Force is being wrapped in, like, his own weird, like, version of physics is, is a pretty good summary of what it is. You know, other than the stupid magic dimension where all speedsters are fast. <laughs> so... I guess what brings everyone together or what starts bringing the teams together is, you know, the raid on Themyscira, the attack on Atlantis, Steppenwolf gets two of the three uh, mother boxes that were located on earth. Um, I still think it's really stupid that for some reason the, the humans decided that putting their mother box in a big hole was still a good idea, (laughs) but at least this movie kind of fixes it because cyborg, actually is the only person that knows the location and where is it that he hides it i think in the apartment right in mm-hmm. his apartment it was like in the closet <laughs> yeah oh yeah that was a great fucking idea 
<laughs> so, like we said, this movie isn't fucking exactly batting a thousand, <laughs> but <laughs> there's still stupid things where the MacGuffin is just for some reason the radioactive space MacGuffin is just in his closet. <laughs> um, much like in the original cut, uh, Aquaman ends up joining them like during the Gotham Harbor scene, um, except after we get the end of this battle and they all do end up escaping like the flooding tunnels once they're back in the bat cave together like we don't get all that useless infighting between bruce wayne and and diana oh you mean where captain america calls uh (laughs) (laughs) where he calls out tony stark and he says he's a billionaire playboy philanthropist or some stupid shit no 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 like i mean there's that really fucking crazy scene that like i forgot about until i saw it again where like where batman is essentially using like you know like oh well you you disappeared from this world for a century because of the death of steve trevor and like all this stuff and like he goes in on her and even like cyborg like in that cut ends up making (laughs) making like some sort of uh, reference to oh yeah well you were being an asshole i was looking up where this is and it's like then we get that also dumb scene where it's like aquaman like has to talk about like how scared he is and like he's because he's sitting on the truth lasso so it's like he's kind of like doing this like goofy like monologue where he's talking about like serious feelings and stuff like that i don't know it's just like that like it's a joss whedon scene is what it is is you got these (laughs) characters bitching at each other you got the big jock guy being the big goofy jock you know like which I'm really glad they toned that down in this movie. Yes. Like in I'm this s- one, there's no reservations to bringing Superman back from the dead. Everyone mm-hmm. feels that that's exactly what they're supposed to do because now that, because even in 2017, we didn't know that there was any dark side mm-hmm. or at least none of these characters do. They know that there's going to be some sort of threat through osmosis, I guess. Um, in this movie, it's like, we know what's next after Steppenwolf. It's going to be dark side. And if we're gonna fight something like Darkseid, we need something that's that that people didn't have last time, or that's just as powerful that can make up for it, and that's mm-hmm. Superman. So it's you like there's so there's no argument between Diana and Bruce like to do that, and we don't get the stupid like line of dialogue where Flash has to say, "Oh, is this gonna be like a pet cemetery kind of thing?" It's like everyone knows what to expect. It's like you know they're like it could be another Doomsday. Or it could bring back Superman and in a way that we don't know him. And it feels more responsible than it does in 2017. 2017 feels like Batman is like bullying all of them to do it. <laughs> You're going to do it or I'll kill you. <laughs> no, this one, it definitely feels like a team decision. And this one, and what's really cool is I think the, the most of a like argument that takes place is um when when aquaman's you know he questions whether he can even trust uh vic because he doesn't know if vic is more mother box and human mm-hmm. and pretty much the way you get around that is you have victor completely open up to the team <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's like no because you know what they're adults there's no reason for them to be fucking like bitching at each other for an hour trying to decide like it's like no we we have to do the necessary evil which is bring back superman mm-hmm. and it, we got to get to that point and you know um, we- it, it brings it brings the introduction to lois lane so difference between the original cut and this movie is in the original cut 
Lois Lane is still working at the Daily Planet. She ends up, for some inexplicable reason, meeting Clark Kent's mother at the Daily Planet for lunch or coffee or something like that. And they're Mm -hmm. like reminiscing about like, you know, Superman. But Mm -hmm. in this movie, it's like we get the scene where, you know, Clark Kent's mother shows up basically to try to help Lois get back out in the world again, because ever since, you know, Clark died, like she has not even returned to work at the Daily Planet. You know, like much like the Wonder Woman character, it's like once she lost the person who she thought was, you know, was the most important person in the world to them. It's like then they are like, no, like dealing with it and in batman vs superman like they make a big deal like this the line that's uttered several times in that movie between lois and clark is this is my world and you are my world right Mm -hmm. so it's like you you get a bit of a like like it's it it's a bit of a callback to that you know it's like all this it, it just like you get the scene where you find out Clark Kent's mom didn't exactly go to talk to Lois. It's actually surprise, Martian Manhunter. Fuck yeah! <laughs> I lost my shit when I saw it. when I saw her change into fucking John Jones. I lost my entire shit because for those of you that don't know, like I I think I've said it before. I love obscure like DC heroes. Shut up! I'm a hipster. I guess. <laughs> And of the obscure, like, Justice League heroes, Martian Manhunter is my favorite. Like, holy crap, he is essentially on power level, he's essentially Superman. And he's just like, you know, same story. He's the last son of Mars, comes to Earth after losing his planet, and he learns about, you know, he's he learns about humanity by living among us, right? so just like just like clark kent but there's just like this weird disconnect because he doesn't look human so there's this like and because martians are more of a telepathic race he has to learn kind of like boundaries and how to live among humans in a in a more in a different way like it's more of a fish out of water story um so it's like to see him finally be in in, on the big screen was fucking huge (laughs) I also really like the actor that they got to oh, play God. him as well. Harry Lennox, who, mm-hmm. you know, who I really like like in, in, in other movies that I've seen him in. Most recently, particularly, I saw him. I rewatched the Ray Charles biopic <laughs> with Jamie Foxx in it. And he actually mm-hmm. like plays like Jerry, Jamie Foxx's like manager and confidant in that as well. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's like when I see him in stuff, like I haven't seen him in a ton of stuff, but when I see him, I, I really like the actor. And I'm glad that we finally, you know, they introduced him in Man of Steel. So it's nice to finally see him in his Martian Manhunter form for the oh first time. God. It was so awesome. And of course, it, what it does is it raises more questions because it's like, so, you know, what is what is his role in all this? It's like, what does he benefit from trying to get Lois? lane back into the world what exactly does he know um well and also he, he has a pretty close i mean his character speaks directly with lois like in the last two movies that they're in mm-hmm. like lois is kind of like the pain in the ass reporter who's like asking him a ton of questions in man of steel and by batman v superman it's like he's like her secret source of information so it's like it for them it's it's like a gradual it's it's almost like a gradual friendship that they've put together even though Lois doesn't know that it is him 
that's actually like you know pretending to be martha kent just so that she could try to get lois back out into the world mm-hmm. but you know even though that i wish i wish amy adams would have had a little bit more to do it's important enough because it reminds you of that batman nightmare sequence from batman v superman and how they mm-hmm. talked about lois lane being the key i always thought that lois lane being the key meant that she was going to be the one that that meant would keep superman from becoming evil right mm-hmm. <laughs> this is essentially like bringing somebody back from the lazarus pit it's like when they come back it's like they're going to be insane and and unless something is there to kind of like soothe them like a crying baby then <laughs> then who knows what's going to happen here yeah, uh, except this uh, godlike baby could shoot laser beams out of his eyes, <laughs> but and even moves but, at the speed of light. But in the original cut, again, it's like she felt like more like a prop that was being used by Batman to try to get Superman to calm down once he was going crazy. Mm. And in this movie, it's like you know that she goes there every day to the to the memorial, like you know, in the park where they have like, you know, the shrine to Superman and all that kind of stuff. To the point where she's like friends with the cop that's on duty walking that beat and like bring some coffee every day. <laughs> Fun trivia bit too. The guy who plays that cop is the guy who played Jimmy Olsen in the 1978 Richard Donner Superman movie. Oh, no way. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Oh man, so let's get to the resurrection scene because the resurrection scene, one of the big differences is um the 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 visions that Cyborg gets as um as Flash approaches touching the the mother box as it's about to fall in the weird chrysalis pool, right? Um but before I say that uh i think it they definitely got a lot of uh hr giger like influence from the krypton the kryptonian ship i think we talked about that before um everything looks like a vagina in the ship <laughs> and i, I know I, I, it's still weirds me out because it's very you know it's the it's the whole reason why alien like the xenomorphs are meant to be so freaky is because they're all very phallic <laughs> and very sexual looking <laughs> Well, yeah, like the main difference in that in in between Man of Steel and the original Superman is that that like everything went from looking like, you know, you were shooting in Antarctica to like, you know, around all these crystals yeah. to where everything now is like this weird like liquid metal world <laughs> that they're all in. And even then, it's like where you know that that room where Doomsday was brought to life is called an amniotic chamber. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it very much is like you know the mothership's way of bringing its children back or bringing its children to life as well. Yeah. So it's like yes, it makes sense that things look like vaginas <laughs> on this <laughs> ship. So the idea here is that you know same as the 2017 is that they're trying to jumpstart. They're they're trying to juice the uh, the what's it called the uh, mother box just enough for it to jumpstart the amniotic uh, chamber as they draw or as they put uh Kal-El's body in there and so they got to time it perfectly so that right as the mother box hits the the fluid um flash touches it to give it just a spark needed of course the problem is that if the uh, mother box gets fully charged up it's going to show up on steppenwolf's like radar essentially and he can track it to wherever it is on the planet 
Uh, and of course, we get to see the boom tube. That was really cool. But anyway, <laughs> I did want to talk about the visions he sees because he sees a couple things, right? Like Cyborg sees, he sees the death of Lois Lane and he sees um, essentially Superman break bad and become evil. Um, and we see him side with Darkseid and enslave the planet under Darkseid's rule. We see him destroy the Hall of Justice, essentially destroying the Justice League. And, uh, you know, I think we even get to see the death of my favorite Green Lantern, which really pissed me off, which was the death of Kilowog. We see his corpse, like, in the, along with, like, a bunch of other, like, superhero corpses. And I was just like, dude, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> Like, you know, it, we, we, we get that a lot more fleshed out. And of course, it gives more meaning now to the whole Lois is the key thing. Because like you were saying, it's not only that, the, that Lois is the key to bringing Superman back to being Superman, but it's also the key to keeping Superman who he is so that he doesn't uh, essentially end the world as well. <laughs> And so a lot of the a lot of the scene after where uh, Superman does get brought back is um, is very much the same. Um, Superman is more confused. I feel it comes off more in this film that he's in uh, amnesia, like he he has amnesia and doesn't remember what happened, uh, and he's just kind of like a toddler reacting <laughs> and just kind of like trying to be accustomed to his powers um and much like in the 2017 cut uh the mother box and cyborg's body reacts uh in a defensive way against uh superman who launches an attack the the team tries to take on superman they get their asses kicked um superman then confronts batman knowing something is off about him what i do like in this film is they take out the do you bleed line um from the 2017 cut where superman <laughs> which again is it was low point Zack snyder for me so i feel like even even Zack snyder i think the fact that he got to cut this movie years later also makes a difference as to why it feels better you know it's like mm -hmm. some of those lines that were just like oh you're just like shit Yes, some of the cringe like in the dialogue can now be removed here. And the other thing, too, is that we, there was a scene earlier where Alfred was actually showing Wonder Woman the gauntlets he was working at, which was basically meant to like absorb like high concentrations of power mm -hmm. because science. That's why. <laughs> Fuck you, that's why, nerd. But, it, but at least it makes sense as to why when Superman uses like his heat vision, why like it just like concentrates on Batman's gauntlets and it actually mm -hmm. ends up destroying them. You know, it's like it's like, all right, this is as far as I can go here, you know. It's like the big metallic suit. <laughs> I know, exactly. So then um and it plays out much like the same. We uh Lois sees uh Clark. Uh, Clark recognizes her and they end up flying away uh, out to Smallville. So the team doesn't know if they can rely on Superman in the final push. Um, here, um, there's an attack on Star Labs, right? Was that what, was that what they were trying to do? Uh, I think the attack on Star Labs was to get the human mother box because Silas is trying to destroy it. 
Yeah, that's right. Or at least appearing as if he's going to destroy it. But what Mm -hmm. we find out after, you know, he basically sacrifices himself is that he knew Steppenwolf was going to take it and basically used, basically sacrificed his own self because for some reason, whatever he did now, like, made it some sort of beacon so that Cyborg is able to find out where Steppenwolf is. Yeah, pretty much he does it. He makes it work the other way around that by supercharging the mother box. Um, Cyborg can now trace the the heat signature of mm-hmm. the mother box to wherever it is they're hiding, which turns out is like an abandoned nuclear reactor facility out in you know nondescript Russia. But of course, they immediately fix it by saying, "Oh yeah, this is just a, an abandoned town. There's no humans." Uh, <laughs> the fucking oh, and we'll get into it in a second. But first, let me just talk about how painful. Now that I actually cared so much about Cyborg in this movie, it was painful watching him like have to watch his father die. Mm-hmm. And it, much like Diana, it makes Cyborg's you know beef with Steppenwolf insanely personal. Um, everyone has a stake in this fight at this point. I mean, except for really the Flash. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, but it, like you said, it makes it it makes it that the league in general has to come together to kick this dude's ass because, like, you know, Steppenwolf essentially like destroyed Themyscira. He ended up like def- he's been hunting and killing Atlantean guards in an effort to find the 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 atlantean mother box you know he ends up because of him silas had to kill himself to like for to make it to the end game (laughs) um batman is essentially tony stark and after the first avengers he he doesn't know what evil's coming but he knows that something big and bad is gonna come try to take on earth now that superman's dead um dead sorry and he's trying to uh he's trying to make up for that for his part um so you know he it it feels like everyone has a role to play in this in this movie right um this actually feels like a team-up movie (laughs) finally (laughs) unlike the 2017 movie where you know superman x machina just shows up and just beats the shit out of steppenwolf and makes you even wonder why you need the team to begin with um in this film it makes you it it gives everyone like an emotional motivation to even be a part of this mission and also like why everyone needs to to be a part of taking steppenwolf down um funny enough this movie does i think what people thought joss whedon's involvement with 2017 justice league was gonna do you know like one of the things that was so special about that original Avengers movie is that, yes, like they did successfully get a movie with this many disparate characters like to matter and you cared about each one of them and it got the symmetry just right. Whereas like this one, and I think it only works because it has a longer time, you know, uh, time span and just a bigger canvas to work with. Like it's hitting the same kind of marks for me that those Avenger movies do. Mm hmm. In, uh, as yeah, you I said, it like it, 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 as you said, it justifies the team up, which I think that 2017 movie maybe part of the reason why it doesn't work is because it doesn't justify the team up. And Batman versus Superman, <laughs> the poison pill in that movie is the Martha angle that that basically <laughs> becomes the reason why they team up. 
like <laughs> this even makes you forget about how awful that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still laughing at Martha because then I remember the like. That's the thing, though. The Martha angle gives us the kick-ass warehouse fight scene, but then it also gives us the shitty line where Batman saves uh, Martha Kent and says, "I'm a friend of your son's." <laughs> what well, you know? What Batman as comic relief in Batman versus Superman works. Batman is comic relief and Justice mm. League sucked. Shut up. I said what I said. <laughs> I prefer in this where Batman doesn't really have a ton of comic relief. <laughs> Shut up. I like He's not in the funny Batman. thing is that Batman here isn't ultra serious. It's not like he's super ultra serious, but there's something that's a bit more sincere about him than even in that 2017 movie. Like he goes from being a complete cock in 2016's Batman v Superman to being kind of a fucking goofball to like justified I, human hero in 2016 shut <laughs> up he tries to be too much like tony stark in 2017's justice league and i it's wonder like in, why <laughs> and i think in this movie they kind of get the balance a lot better man okay i'm sorry i gotta rail on joss whedon again i hate that joss whedon <laughs> needs to make everyone sound so fucking witty and sarcastic all the damn time like that works only when you have a straight man and you can only have a one person be that person. You can't have everyone, you know, fire off one liners every two seconds. God damn it. Well, I think in Avengers, someone like Cap Captain America was the kind of like the straight man because, you know, it's like he, he was the one that everyone kind of had like to play off of. Um because he, you know, he basically traveled through time and was living. Yeah, he's in a, a man out of time, so it works, right? Like, right. but and here... in this one, and in this one, I feel like I feel like the anchor in this movie and the one that everything goes around is Cyborg, because mm-hmm. all the characters around him are doing what they can to to to, you know, help him feel a part of the world that he's in now. Mm-hmm. So finally, we get to the. Um, we get to the to the climax of the film, right? So we uh, we learn that um, Batman has been working on a on this like troop carrier that he hasn't been able to get working. Mm-hmm. But you know, as we see Cyborg's powers progress through the film, we find out he now has uh, what's it called um, uh, technopathy or whatever. Pretty much, he can control <laughs> machines, right? Mm-hmm. So he's. So he essentially talks to the ship and he sweet talks it into working. <laughs> so they load up on everything they need and they fly to Russia to take on um to take on uh Steppenwolf. Yes. All right. So yep. this ending battle is so much so much better. Like I rem- the <laughs> stupid Russian family <laughs> oh. by taking away all the cringy like like just having humans around was dumb. Well, um, having the Flash save them and then do like the peace sign and like all that stuff is just like it's just it's it's gross. It's gross how much it doesn't fit in this world. <laughs> I, I think know, that's, especially since they're trying to make this world so grim and gritty and dark. But you know what? Like I feel like that kind of stuff where it became kind of a you know punching bag in Batman v Superman, how overwhelmingly dark it was. Mm-hmm. In this, I feel like it fit. It, it just it, it has such a better fit. 
because mm-hmm. it's different enough like the 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 kind of like grimness of it all like it's justified because you have like this grave like threat that you that you're dealing with so mm-hmm. it's like that kind of stuff and also just because it's like all right like i watched marvel movies for a decade show me something that's not just marvel like show me like, something that's not a light in the sky and everyone's trying to fight their way to it you know <laughs> yes i and i think that's another thing that i that 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 this movie does that i probably like more you know that that i appreciate be, not not i like more i appreciate it because it's different how about that mm-hmm. like you know i think that light in the sky thing that you're talking about we spend too much time like looking at other people on earth like in avengers movies sometimes mm-hmm. which is fine it's fine you know but i'm glad that we're not doing so much of that now because i think yeah. one of the mistakes in batman v superman 2 was we had a lot of like people that were weighing in on what was going on. We had Luther, we had the Senate hearings, we had prison gangs. Like that movie is a hot mess. Like when you think about it, like even the last third, it falls apart. <laughs> even though that last, even that ultimate cut is better. Better is not saying a ton. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this, I'm what's interesting about it is that, you know, it's like these things are grave threats, but a lot of the general public may not even know about it. You know, and that's like, what's even better about yes, it, man. Yes. Like no one, like I love the fact that the parademons aren't aren't uh, there aren't widely known. Like people don't know what's going on. Like I love the fact that uh, you know they get a, a description of a parademon, and and uh, Gordon thinks it's Batman, so mm-hmm. he he calls Batman to talk to him and be like, "What the fuck is going on? Yeah. Why are you kidnapping people?" <laughs> but you know, like in this film, like they take away that stupid like having to 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 save random humans element out. Because like that's what it it all it does is a distraction for your heroes. It takes Flash out of the fight. It takes Superman out of the fight, and then we get that scene where he goes and picks up the the apartment building. <laughs> <laughs> but pretty much the entire battle hinges on the fact that Superman shows up at the end and just kicks the shit out of Steppenwolf. Or also and- just the fact that that Batman v Superman was so reactionary to the complaints people had about Man of Steel and the buildings being broken mm-hmm. that Batman v Superman they. They just they had to hammer you over the face with the there fact was that no one at the harbor yes <laughs> oh there was nobody where they were fighting at crime at crime alley oh there's no one near the explosions that doomsday is causing it's like no we don't even have to deal with that there's no government there's no army there's no news reports it's it, it's kind of simple in it's just out in a part of the world that no one is like going near right now exactly you just literally have a line from either it's either cyborg or alfred that says they're setting up shop in an abandoned like nuclear silo like that's it mm-hmm. like that's all we need to know and it's perfect um and a lot of the again a lot of the action is very much the same like the 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 siege you know Batman attacking the parademons with the uh with the Batmobile. Love it. I uh, know it's still great. You get a little bit less goofy Aquaman doing Aquaman things, getting thrown by everyone through the sky because he can't fly. <laughs> what we do get too, and I think that is awesome, is like the hero like scene where like everyone is flying towards Steppenwolf you and Batman is like meme? driving through the <laughs> batmobile and i think it's just like that awesome like hero moment like 
Yeah. I'm glad we get that. And, and it's awesome. It, it might be in 2017. I can't remember it, but it just it feels I, like it just fits here. It's <laughs> so, not in 2017. Okay, good because yeah, I do not remember that because I remember seeing that picture and I'm like, that's a really cool picture. It's goofy because everyone memed it to shit, but it was <laughs> it was such a cool shot. No one cares. Like no one cares how goofy it is that Batman like mm-hmm. <laughs> that Batman has to drive while everyone else flies. Or, you know, no one cares that, you know, you don't get to see that Batman has to hustle his way over because everyone else. Can, well, the can other fly. thing, too, the other thing, too, is the box of man, right? Like the box yeah. of man is something that exists. Batman, the human being and human beings were also a part of the original like union that the Atlanteans and the Amazonians had when Darkseid tried to take over the first time. Mm-hmm. So outside of just, you know, it, it, it makes sense in this like. It makes sense in terms of just the Justice League. Again, mm-hmm. all of this shit feels like it's just it's cleaner somehow. <laughs> I can't I can't wait till we get an Easter egg and find out that uh that um fuck, what's his name? Uh the Victor Savage. <laughs> Vandal Savage. There we go. That Vandal <laughs> Savage was at that battle. <laughs> but um yeah, so we get the you know the the plan for the plan to beat Steppenwolf here uh, is to separate the mother boxes, um, supercharging them with uh, speed force energy. So uh, you know they take, yeah, they take Flash out of the battle again. But it's like for a reason, like a reason that makes sense. It's because he's an important part of the plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so essentially, he's running around the battlefield trying to build up enough. Um, kinetic energy so that he can blast through and give cyborg the the jolt he needs to be able to separate the mother boxes uh ending the terraforming process um you know during this time everyone you know the the fights still play out very similarly except steppenwolf talks more and a lot of it is steppenwolf talking about how uh weak diana was and how maybe if she had been at themyscira like her sisters wouldn't have died. He's talking shit. He talks mad shit. Steppenwolf is talking this shit. Basically, he's tired of getting bullied by all the new gods, so he's going to try to boot to bully the Justice League in return. Yeah, it's, he's tired of getting punished, and now he's going to give some punishment. And then ultimately, like his attempts to bully the Justice League will fail because the Justice League will bully him in the end. <laughs> and even the scene, as like unfortunately, the CGI in this film is not going to age well because at the end of the day, Justice League is still a soundstage movie. Yes. Um, and, and and you know what? I think part of it too is also just that again, we're watching in some ways an incomplete movie. You know, oh, yeah. we're, we're watching like it's not like it's not like Zack Snyder filmed a ton of new material for this. It's just him finally being able to put the stuff that he wanted to put there. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the CGI, that's why like Steppenwolf looks more animated, even though he does look less human and his, and his costume looks cooler. And a lot of the stuff from Apocalypse, like, it, you know, it, the CGI feels a little bit more cartoony. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, the, again, the other thing is that you, because you're watching it on television and not in a movie theater, I feel like it, it it's less it's less obvious and less distracting than it would be in a theater. Oh, yeah. In a theater, it would be definitely more noticeable. But what I was referring to was, or what I was going to refer to was the uh, the scene in uh, in Smallville. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it's not as bad, like, the CGI stupid corn stuff. 
<laughs> it doesn't look like Superman's standing in just like this endless field of corn stalks that all look the same. Mm-hmm. But you know, like even that scene feels a little bit better, where it's like he remembers who he is, you know, and gets his memory jogged. Um, and you know, he gets to see his mom, and and you know, like the the the. And I don't remember if it was in the 2017 scene, but or in the 2017 movie. But, you know, like, we get, like, that back-and-forth interaction where it's, like, where um, where Martha and, and Lois talk about how the world always comes to them and talks to them about, you know, how great uh, Superman was and how much of an inspiration was. And, and, you know, I think Martha even says, like, no one ever, no one ever asks, like, what it feels like to lose my son. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, damn. And, and you know we get we get that scene where she like comes to terms with the fact that who hit who her son is when he says look they brought me back for a reason i guess it's time for me to find out why and yes and i think and this is the cool part because okay so we bring back superman but the justice league has given him like they're they're giving him his space right to to get his shit mm-hmm. together so he's kind of he's also having this kind of dr manhattan like journey where he needs to like go somewhere remote and figure out what his purpose is um here coming back and then you have him going back to the fortress of solitude you get this dueling dialogue between you know john kent and uh and and his and jor-el oh russell crow jor-el i forgot <laughs> russell crow played jor-el you know that like I and I and you're right. I love the dueling dialogue because on one point you have, um, you know, you have two guys arguing like what feels like opposing views until it comes together. Yes. About the importance of leading humanity, one, right? Like you got John telling Superman the importance of like being a part of the community, like being a part of the world and mm-hmm. being a part of humanity, and how not to forget who he is. And then you have uh, Jor El telling him you are better than them you you know while they crawl you will run it's it completes the arc it completes the man of steel arc where it feels like as you said you know his dueling father figures are telling him different things by the time we get to the kryptonian ship where he's trying to rejog his memory he it feels like those two things are now coming together superman knows who he is he's not it's not like man of steel where he felt more alien than human mm-hmm. it's like now he feels both he's, he's he's as much kryptonian as he is human in this scene you get the introduction of the black suit which yeah! I, th- <laughs> I love the black suit oh <laughs> uh, they just need to give him the mullet god damn but the the you know the black suit that he gets in really to me it's just like you know it it, it it some people are like well they didn't really explain too much why he wears a black suit to be honest like i mean you don't need the, to know it you don't need cool. to know and then all the kryptonians that invaded in man of steel were all in black suits anyway yeah you know like so if he, you guys really want the 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 explanation you can look it up pretty much it's just a, it's, it's a kryptonian recovery suit it's just it's supercharged with yellow solar energy so that you know he can get his he can heal faster and he can get his powers back to where they need to be but mm-hmm. i mean they don't need to explain that i think like like you said angel like all you need to remember is oh yeah that's what they were wearing that's what zod and and ursa and i forgot what the other dude's name was were wearing when they tried to attack earth like mm-hmm. 
you know, it shows that he's still Kryptonian, but his motivation is to defend Earth. Yep. And, uh, you know, when he shows up, uh, very similarly to the uh, 2017 cut, um, he shifts the entire the entire vibe of the battle. However, it doesn't focus on just Superman uh, being like making the Justice League useless. Yes, like I think I think another thing that we can probably mention here as well. Now that we're at the climax of this movie, okay. So Junkie XL came back to to do the score for Justice League in this. And if you remember the original cut, the original cut was rescored by Danny Elfman. And Danny Elfman decided instead of, you know, using any of the other scores from the other movies or, you know, making it feel like more of a coherent, like just musical style to the other movies in this franchise, he decided that he was going to go back and do... 78 superman and 89 batman <laughs> themes for this so awkward man which is super out of place feels completely unrelated to batman v superman even though i think in this in this movie i think one of the things that people have kind of memed and laughed at that chanting or like you know singing that you hear every single time wonder woman does anything mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like i i'm not crazy about that hey shut but, up that was awesome i loved it <laughs> and, and there's nothing and there's no theme in this movie that's particularly interesting but nothing sticks out as mm-hmm. awkwardly as danny elfman's music did now looking back on it yeah nothing none of the musical choices hurt this movie yes <laughs> Um, so we get uh, Superman changing the tide of the battle. He starts laying into Steppenwolf. Um, however, what ends up happening is without, or, or the Flash ends up getting injured by one of the parademons, missing out his time window. So, and I love this. I love the fact that even though Superman does uh, show back up and he comes back to save the day, the Justice League still fails. Mm-hmm. And because the terraforming starts and what ends up happening is it forces an explosion that kills the team, essentially, <laughs> um, and, and starts Apocalypse. Um, or, or starts turning Earth into Apocalypse. Yes. I mean, the moment where it's like he's here and like all of that stuff happens, it's like, oh my God. Oh you're my like, goodness. You're like, everything is supposed to be okay? Oh no, they immediately fucked up. Yeah, like I, th- I, I think it feels how everyone tells me that the snap in Infinity War was supposed to feel like. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I was, I, I remember thinking about that, but even though the aside from again the scene that you hate so much, which is Spider Man, I Iron don't Man. hate it. I no, don't you hate, hate it. it. No, hate I don't hate any of it. I love the scene between Spider-Man and Iron Man. I don't know. It was an you... awesome ad lib from Tom Holland. All I all I've ever said because for some reason people keep coming down my road about this, but <laughs> all I've ever said about the end of Infinity War is the stakes don't feel like they're there because I knew the next movie was coming and the next oh, no, movie I... was going to undo everything that movie did. Oh no, I told you that. Like we agreed on that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why that's why the snap didn't really do it for me. But to see Vic Stone's face blow up. Yeah. <laughs> to see everyone get turned into like chunks of meat and human flesh is very humbling because you're like 
these are supposed to be like the greatest heroes on earth in this universe and they fucked up mm-hmm. but we get the awesome scene of flash breaking his rule and going to the speed of or running at the speed of light so that he can turn back time <laughs> Which, if you think about it, really is like, you know, 70s Superman turning the rotation of the Earth so he can go back in time. Yes, but the, but, but the thing in this movie is they showed you he can do it before. Yeah, in the and amniotic he doesn't chamber. do it on purpose. Yeah, right. And then in this one as well, now that he's pushing past the limits of anything that he thought he was, he's having that, like, he's remembering the thing his dad told him where he said, you know, you're the best of the best, you're the best ever, whatever it was. It's some sort of like kind of like, you know, hammy. It's supposed to sound really sweet, but mm-hmm. you know, whatever. <laughs> and then he get he gives us that line that it was like rewrite your past, mm-hmm. uh, change your future, something about now, right? Um and he he manages to run through turning back time, restoring everyone to life. <laughs> <laughs> and giving the team and uh the the or being able to to use the charge he created uh from running at the speed of light to separate the uh, mother boxes so that ends up stopping the uh terraforming process um and then the team ends up <laughs> murdering the ever-loving shit out of steppenwolf <laughs> Yeah, starts with him getting pitchforked by Aquaman, <laughs> who then gets socked in the face by Superman. And as his body approaches uh, the boom tube he set up, <laughs> Wonder Woman cuts his head off yes. and like kicks it into uh, the boom tube, and it lands at Apocalypse and Desaad's feet. <laughs> And you know it, the 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 battle essentially ends with the or I'm sorry, not Apocalypse, Dark Side. Um, but it ends with Dark Side looking into the boom tube and seeing like these humans that uh, decided to stand against him and once again like fucking him over because he can't get the anti life equation. Yeah, it looked like Dark Side was having non flashbacks once they <laughs> basically fed Steppenwolf <laughs> his own ass. <laughs> Oh my god, and I love that his response is he just crushes Steppenwolf's head. I was just like, <laughs> even in death, he gets roasted by everybody. <laughs> oh man, so and then there that's our clear setup for Justice League 2. And it's supposed to, you know, the way things were going, it it's, looks like it's supposed to lead to apocalypse war. Yeah. Um well, you know? and, and besides that as well, I mean, because there's no there's no clear path of continuation for this series what Zack Snyder does attach to the end of this is an epilogue. Mm-hmm. The, the ep- yeah, the, the epilogue and, pretty much wraps everything up into a nice little bow for us. And even kind of gives us a hint of where it was going to go, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, we get the post credit scene, which we did get in Justice League or, or the post movie, like the epilogue in Justice League, which was uh, Deathstroke showing up to Lex Luthor, except the difference in 2017 they were showing up to kind of like plan, I guess, the Legion of Doom. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in this, it's it's uh, Lex telling uh, it's Lex telling Deathstroke, uh, you know, that Bruce Wayne is Batman, setting up the original, the Batman, you know, mm-hmm. Ben Affleck's the Batman. Yeah. Um, where, where Deathstroke was supposed to be the main villain in that. Uh, 
and then we also get the ending you know where where uh victor is listening is has rebuilt the tape recorder <laughs> yeah that his father left to him and he's finally like going back to listen to it again um mm. Alan St- or Barry Allen still gets the job at Central City working in the crime lab thanks to um, Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Wayne, and then we get the um, we get the the we get the same scene of um, Bruce helping uh, Ma Kent move back into her old house, and we get the, <laughs> we get the line where uh, Clark asks him, "How did you get you know my mom's house back?" And uh, Bruce tells him, oh, I just bought the bank that foreclosed on her house. <laughs> and I think in a world where, you know, a world where as we watch Falcon Winter Soldier and we realize that Tony hasn't been paying his friends, it's nice to see that, you know, there's one, at least one playboy billionaire philanthropist that when his best friend's mom loses her house, he just buys the bank that took her house. Oh my god! And Marvel fans were kidding. Please do not come down my road about Tony Stark. <laughs> no, I come down, come down my road, you bastards. <laughs> this is my fight, not Angels. Um, yeah, we get the we get the scene from 2017 as well, where uh, you know Bruce Wayne and Alfred are walking through Wayne Manor. They're going to turn that into the Hall of Justice. Um, and then we get finally the the real real closing epilogue of this which is the continuation of the nightmare sequence now mm-hmm. in batman versus superman the nightmare sequence one of those things sounds like an interesting idea you ultimately watch the movie and it's inconsequential doesn't really mean anything and you're like this is kind of dumb mm-hmm. <laughs> and it felt very iron man 2 if that makes sense as opposed like it, it felt like one of those things that literally just existed to set up another movie mm-hmm and um but in this now now we know what all of this is it's like okay well now dark side has come to earth dark side has terraformed earth and it looks like something out of mad max you mm-hmm. know um now it is like batman in the nightmare get up outfit except this time it's like he's got deathstroke working with him mm-hmm. you know uh cyborg feels- and flash mm-hmm. flash um, has this weird like armor he has like this uh like this really bulky armor he wears now that covers his face mm-hmm. we have cyborg who like has a chain gun now and he walks around <laughs> with that weird serape for some reason slade has like a mohawk <laughs> mira uh you know after the death of aquaman Mira's carrying around the 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 uh what's it called the trident of atlantis um pretty much this is essentially flashpoint this is like the heroes left over after the end of the end of the world mm-hmm. and it leads to one of the craziest batman joker scenes that i probably i've watched honestly like it, it's on par with the interrogation scene from uh the dark knight Okay, this is funny because I've seen some people online who have talked about this being the best Batman and Joker scene that they've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I would strongly argue against that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know how great I think it is. I do, I will say that I'm glad I have it. We get Jared Leto back as Joker again, which I mm-hmm. think he had been slandered to hell and back for how awful <laughs> Suicide Squad was. It's like, you know, it's like he I don't think it was his idea to put tattoos and a grill on himself. Like, 
You know, it's like it, in this movie, we're now. <laughs> it like, wouldn't surprise me if it was his idea, but I'd like sure. to think it wasn't. <laughs> you know what? And and I thought it was kind of an interesting way to go. I didn't love it, but I thought it's like you know the damage tattoo was a little much. It's, it's again, yeah. it's much like it's one of those things where it's like this was something that was in a previous movie and didn't work at all. Now we so pushed him into track. this. Yeah. yeah, we've now simplified his look. And we finally got to see what it looked like when Jared Leto's Joker, because when I'm watching Suicide Squad, it is kind of weird that I'm watching Joker kind of do like this crime boss. Like I'm really in love with Harley Quinn, but at the same time, I'm just a jealous boyfriend. And then find a way to balance that with Batman v Superman, where we saw the Robin costume. Mm -hmm. And it basically tells us that Robin was killed by the Joker. It's like this broad Joker back to that menacing evil level where it's like yes this guy did kill robin <laughs> this, and it's funny i think uh it's some hot snyder on snyder action here because <laughs> this is very much scott snyder writing like his run of batman from the new 52 onward mm-hmm. and um i you know i, I was gonna say that that scene is very last night on earth the thing is, no one knows what I'm talking about. Maybe just you and like a couple DC fans. Mm-hmm. But pretty much, like la- last night on Earth is kind of old man Batman, and which is very much like this scene where he has a where he has like this this ongoing develops his ongoing relationship with Batman and the Joker. I mean, mm-hmm. and the Joker, like he, you can tell, there is a very begrudging, very tumultuous alliance between these two very intimate dudes that know each other they are a little bit more they are almost like fucking abusive lovers at this point yeah and it it's so well done like the way they talk to each other like the way the like the way uh ben affleck's able to convey how much he fucking hates the joker (laughs) and just it's just the joker pushing his buttons to see even now even even though the world is essentially ended like their shit was put on pause but at the end of the day the joker is going to try to break batman any way he can mm-hmm. he does it by bringing up the death of jason todd and i love the line where he says how many timelines do you think you could have saved if you just had the balls to kill yourself and i was just like <laughs> fuck <dude."> yeah <laughs> and then you get you get ben affleck hitting him with the line where i promise tarly quinn with her dying breath that i'm gonna that i would fucking kill you or some shit like that mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my god, I want to see this movie. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me that it's like that. Yes, that's right. This was rated R, technically. <laughs> technically, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. It's definitely an interesting, awesome way to end this. And that's it. That is that is just Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, you know, obviously we know where this is going to go. I don't even think we need to ask each other whether or not we like it. Clearly, we mm-hmm. both like it, right? And I think this movie is an interesting experiment in being able to see something. Now, this is this is my caveat with all the stuff about me liking it. Mm-hmm. This thing only works because, unfortunately, Zack Snyder had tragedy in his life that forced him to step away from the original Justice oh, League. Man, yeah. Unfortunately, we are now in a global pandemic that forced movie theaters to close down. So HBO Max basically decided to release an entire slate of theatrical movies on their streaming platform. 
Mm -hmm. you know, and it's what's forced us to now start thinking about television as, as even more, it's going to start superseding movies going forward. Without the advent of HBO max, without the closing of movie theaters, without, well, without HBO max needing to make a splash without the movie theaters, with us being in the middle of pandemic, and without um, Zack Snyder having years that have gone by since all the negative reaction to his last Superman Batman movie, yeah. like it, 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 it's given him enough time to reflect on all the negative things that were said about that movie and basically fix this. I don't think this is Zack Snyder's original cut of Justice League. There's mm-hmm. no way it wasn't. It's just what he took from what was already released what he had started working on and where he planned to take everything. It just gave him time to clean up all of those bits and Mm -hmm. put it together. And so if you ask me, you know, with this experiment, is this something that we should do for all movies going forward? No, I don't think it's something that needs to go forward. I would love for them to restore the Snyderverse only for one more movie so that we can get justice league Two. Mm-hmm. But I'm fine moving on with Robert Pattinson's Batman. I'm fine moving on to like other, like, you know, this new DC Superman reboot that they want to do mm-hmm. again. Sure. Why not? Well, you know, the other, what? Thing, the other thing I'd like to do is <laughs> I think this is a good time for me to just say, look, if TV is really where everything is going, <laughs> you fucking cowards at HBO Max, give me my live action Batman series because that's <laughs> what I really want in my life. Like I've already seen, we've already had several live action Superman series that have existed on television. Give me live action Batman because we haven't had that since Adam West, and I mean, uh, it's been long pretty overdue. Much Batman, like you can do it, you assholes. Yes, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I think Justice League the Snyder Cut required the perfect storm of things to happen, you know, for it to come out and to be successful. Um, I think that this film, you know, is, you know, it just pissed me off with what we had, what we got back in 2017, what we could have had now, or what we got now. It's just like the stuff that could have happened, the, the, the places this, um, the places this universe could have gone, right? Um, it was in, it, it really is kind of a heart-wrenching tale um for Zack Snyder to kind of see Zack Snyder kind of like um kind of be able to to finish this project and like find closure not just professionally but kind of personally given with the loss of his daughter um and I think I told you oh my god I told you I was going to I was going to get a little choked up talking about the ending song (laughs) so I always thought Zack Snyder had a weird love for the song Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen um, turns out that that was actually Autumn Snyder's favorite song, and that's why he included it in The Watchmen. And the the singer that performed the the end song, the end version, was actually a family friend of Snyder's, Allison Crow, I think is her name. Um, and like she re like she originally redid the you know or she she did a cover back in 05. And I think she redid a cover just for specifically for this movie, uh, knowing it was going to be for Zack Snyder as kind of like a, a, a tribute to his daughter. Um, and yeah, it really is. Uh, it really does hit like when you see the when you see the 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 credit at the beginning um, for Autumn. Um, 
you know, to see that this guy was able to come back and and really give folks the film he wanted to. And, you know, like, it's definitely a love letter for him and for everything he's been through. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's a, it, it's an interesting ride. And I don't think we're ever going to get a movie quite like this, <laughs> like with the cultural impact and how much it's, you know, like kind of with the crazy backstory this film's had, you know. Um, as far as where I put this in, in, in the giant like pantheon of of movies of superhero movies of comic book movies and stuff like that i'm might be overselling it because i'm biased and i will admit that but i honestly do put this as a, right alongside infinity war i think this is a this is a very special movie and i think it the the snyder cut specifically just hit all these parts where you just knew this was going to be some this was going to lead to something that was going to be really cool and it's really sad we weren't able to get that but yeah, that's kind of my final thoughts on it. Uh, in terms of where I rank this to the other movies, again, I don't know if I can. It, it just feels so much like a one-off. Like, you know, like it, it feels like one of those Elseworlds stories like to me now. The fact that this none of this stuff is really going to be canon anymore. So like, do I think it's as good or or close to anything that, that happens in Marvel? I, it's different. And that's all I can say. And and. Thankfully, because again, because it, this movie, the recut of this movie wasn't just a we're just competing with Marvel kind of thing. It feels now different enough and allowed to breathe on its own. And it's essentially like you took two movies and, and you shoved them together into one movie or you did like a mini series of, of a television show to tell it. So just in terms of the length and the sheer amount of stuff that's in here, it's so different. I cannot compare it. But again, I'm much, much happier that we live in a world where this thing exists now. <laughs> and I know that, you know, some people were like, yeah, you should never do this because it's just giving light to some of the worst people in fandom and stuff like that. But you know what? Like, you know, it, that, 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 that doesn't do anything for the people like us who were huge fans of these characters growing up and did want to get our moment to see the characters we liked all team up together like in in a live action movie it's like we finally got this like they've been trying to do justice league on film since the 80s or 90s and they had so many different weird like kind of movies remember there was this one where they fucking wanted to make army hammer be batman in in a live action justice league movie <laughs> and, and knowing what we know about army hammer now let us never think of army hammer as potential batman ever again <laughs> let us never speak of this again <laughs> and so you know again i'm glad we li we live in a world where this exists i'm glad we got to talk about it and mm -hmm. i'm glad we didn't feel so constricted to just have to go through the plot it's four hours long you can go ahead and go watch it we're just telling you how we feel about it and i'm glad that that we've gone through the experience of doing this and also that we got to like basically text each other while we were watching it i think mm -hmm. it made it fun the fact that like Everyone did get to watch it at home. You know, we all did get to, con we got our own time to consume it. So by the time everyone got their thoughts out about it, it's like, you know, it's like people enjoyed what they saw. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people that aren't going to like it. And, and, and like I said, like what you like, man. It's like, that's the good thing is that there's variety out here and that's what's most important. So, you yep. life is a buffet. There's something out there for everybody. So we'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the show. And, uh, you know, continue to interact with us on social media and review our show if you can. 
Uh, thank you for, you know, following us as we did our Karate Kid series. And finally, you know, we're doing something. It's been so long since we've done something that wasn't Karate Kid that it's cool that we're kind of jumping back into these one-off movies now. I know, thank God. So, uh, Oh, we- God, Arby Hammer, no! <laughs> <laughs> I just Googled what I was like, what's he talking about? Oh, no. Oh. Whoa, fuck. Are you serious? You didn't know? Did not know. <laughs> Well, shit. Uh, well, all right. Well, I think that's a, <laughs> what that's a, a sad that's way a, to end this series. <laughs> that's as that's as good a place to end this show off as possible. So we'll yeah. talk to you guys next time. All right, later, y'all. <laughs>